It's time for the Car Doctor on AM 950 WROL. Got a car question? Call us at 617-770-3030. That's 617-770-3030. Now, here's the car doctor, John Paul, on AM 950 WROL, the spirit of Boston. And good Saturday morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Car Doctor Program on AM 950 WROL, the spirit of Boston. And I heard a rumor soon to be FM 100.3. So we might be on an FM channel as well. So it's something a little bit different. So uh, we'll have to wait and see what's going on with that. Well, we've got a good show planned for today. Uh, we're going to do some updates about the Detroit Auto Show, someplace I didn't go. And uh, we'll find out some information about what happened with that in a couple minutes. We're going to be talking to our friend George Kennedy. Uh, George Kennedy, you may know him from uh, Car Gurus and Best Ride and a bunch of other places. And also, um, in a, around the 9 o'clock hour, we're going to be talking to somebody from Ford Motor Company about the uh, Ford Ranger pickup truck that was debuted at the uh, Detroit Auto Show. So we got a lot of stuff going on. So we'll figure it all out as soon as we figure it out. So, and yes, I am back in the studio. Hopefully things sound okay uh, from my little trip from last week. We'll have to do that again in just a bit and have to try it out again and see how it works. And coming up on March 3rd, I believe it is, we'll be broadcasting live from Gillette Stadium um, for the AAA Travel Marketplace, which we like going to. But with us on the phone is our buddy George Kennedy. George is an auto writer, videographer, Yachtsman. George, what else are you? Let's see. Let's see. We'll get the phones to work. George, you there? George, where are you, George? George, are you there? You sure am. Hey, there you are. You know, and, and that was my... Good morning. Uh, good morning. Apparently, apparently, we had a sticky phone button. We gotta we gotta stop uh, having we gotta stop having these guys in here eating in the studio. That's all there is to it. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I described you as a auto writer, videographer, and yachtsman. I mean, I'll take all those accolades. Yeah, there you go. Okay, all right. And you were and you were uh, you were recently at the uh, at the Big D, the Detroit Auto Show, North North American International Auto Show. I guess is the proper name for it. Um, what was, uh, from what I understand, it was trucks, trucks, and more trucks. Well, I, yes and no. I mean, it's, I think the theme was for everything new that was there, a lot of stuff was throwback stuff. It's, you know, it's, as much as the industry is pushing itself towards autonomy and hybrids and whatnot, as you said, trucks were a big deal there. And <clears throat> so were, you know, mu- you know, muscle cars and whatnot. So it's like, the things that actually excite us about the industry is what is what is still making news over there. And uh, you know, I understand. Uh, well, and a little bit a little bit later in the show, we're actually talking to uh, uh, Chad Callender. He is uh, from Ford about the new Ranger. But they, you know, last year at Detroit, they showed the name Ranger, and that's all they showed. Um, right. So, yeah. So so we're getting a little closer this year, I guess. Well, right. So it, it looks very similar to, or a, a, a slight reskinning of the global T6 pickup that's been around for a few years. Okay. Um, I know Ford says that it's 90% new. 
it looks very similar, which, and that's not a bad thing. Yeah. I think it's going to be a very competent pickup. But one question is, of course, going to be price. Um, you know, bringing global vehicle in, it's a pretty refined, it's not that, you know, small little Ranger, mm. you know, runabout from before. You know, and, and in that time, there's been safety advancements and a lot of things to add some heft and price to the vehicle. So pricing for that, I think, isn't going to come out until fall, but people are going to be watching that very closely because yeah. the overlap between, you know, any Ranger and a low, you know, quasi well-equipped F-150 is going to be a pretty big overlap. And so people have to, ju- you know, justify spending that amount for a smaller yeah, I, I, very similar to the Colorado versus the full-size GM pickup. Uh, they're, they're within dollars of each other. Exactly. And I think it comes down to, you know, as a lifestyle vehicle. So like that's where, you know, the Tacoma and the, the, the Nissan pickup had done well for a long time, and that is the weekend warrior, the person using their truck as a platform for kayaks and mountain bikes mm. as opposed to, you know, getting yard work and stuff done. And it accomplishes that, too. Also, if you live in the city, it's kind of a no-brainer, and you want a truck, this is the way that you're getting it done. Yeah. What What really excited you when you were out there? What did, what did you – was it was it horsepower? Was it batteries? What was it? Um. I mean, yeah, how, about how, how excited can batteries get you? Um, well, unless, it, unless it's that purported Tesla sports car that will be the fastest car on the planet, but, yeah. Yeah, I'll believe it when I see yeah. it. Yeah, me too. Um, literally. Um, I think what's interesting, I, I found the Ram 1500 to be pretty rad. Um, they went away from the Crosshair grill, uh, and they started integrating uh, a mild hybrid into both the V6 and the V8. And this is something you're going to see across the industry. Yep. Uh, when people say they're going full electrification, it means you're going to work in mild hybrids uh, across the lineup that you won't even notice right. when you're driving. How about how about high um, how, how about high horsepower? What was what was out what was out there for big horsepower stuff that still brings out the sixteen year old in me? Right. Well, I think the thing that'll bring up the sixteen year old in you was the Mustang Bullet. Yeah. Um, and I and yeah, the new one's great and everything, but they had the original one from the movie there. Oh. And the people, there was a bigger crowd around that than anything. Wasn't there some controversy with that? Like it disappeared. They, somebody, there's a whole story about the bullet, right? There's a whole. There's a really cool, and Hag, I believe Haggerty or somebody else is working on a documentary yeah. for chronicling the history of it. <laughs> I guess uh, somebody bought it and didn't want to sell it to Steve McQueen. And you know, as much as they wanted to, sh- it's from what I understand, as much as they wanted to share that car with the world, uh, somebody broke into their uh, barn one night and stole the air cleaner. And so for them, it was just safer for the car to go into hiding, yeah. and which is too bad because, you know, when you hear, oh, it's been in hiding, you, your first reaction is, oh, well, the owner must be some old curmudgeon. But it was more they were trying to protect the car. Mm. Or, and the owner's an old curmudgeon. <clears throat> oh, it, it could be A, it could be B. Yeah, or um, both. Yeah. One, one, one thing I wanted to mention, too, is that uh, for the Ram 1500 and the G-Wagon, they got the Mercedes-Benz G-Wagon. They both got some pretty big interior updates. Um, that new Ram has a 12-inch screen that's set up like the Tesla center console screen that like dominates the center console. What do you think of that? Um, I've seen, as you know, my first inclination is that Honda scared everybody away from double screens with its terrible, no good, very bad center console system. Mm, yeah. But... I've seen good implementations of the double screen system, like on the Range uh, Land Rover Velar. 
Yeah. Um, they they found a way to integrate all of the features and make it easy to work through. Mm. And that's all this comes down to is a, a UI UX uh, kind of thing. Yeah. And so I'd have to try it out, but but Chrysler has proven, FCA has proven that they do user interfaces pretty well, be it touchscreens or yeah. controls. So even if, even though it's digital, if it follows the same logic as uh, their their you know normal screens, I think it should be fine. Yeah. No, the one thing that kind of concerns me a little bit about it is if that truck is going to get used as a truck, I hope that thing's made out of yeah. Gorilla Glass. Well, I, let's be realistic. Ford has been selling $100,000 pickup trucks recently. There is a whole class of truck that is the, you know, that is like the Texas Cadillac yeah. of of the world. A lot of, I mean, and they didn't sell as long as they make nicer and nicer pickups, people are still buying them. Hmm. So this this twelve inch screen and, and Ram has been very good at um, making trucks for the the non uh, work crowd, the non truck work crowd, shall I say? Um, from the from moving away from leaf springs to the adoption of the air suspension and a bunch of other <clears throat> user friendly features like the Ram box, I think they they have been catering to the the truck user that uses it as a commuter car. Yeah. No, I you know, I, I commute a hundred <clears throat> miles a day and I see I see a lot of pickup trucks with people that don't look like they wouldn't they don't look like they would know what end of a hammer to pick up. So Yeah, exactly. But yeah. they want to feel, feel big and bold. Yeah, exa- exactly. The um you know, it's different than I remember when the Ram in its I guess second or third generation ago first came out and it was way back when, when uh, Chrysler was building its technology center in Auburn Hills. And they actually, the engineers actually went out and went into the construction parking lot and walked around and said, hey, wait, people, you know, people that are working and using their trucks, strangely enough, they carry laptops with them. Oh, we ought to have storage big enough for a laptop. Hey, they keep their coffee cups you know, up near the top of the dash, not down on the floor where we were putting them. And they actually, and we need to put more PowerPoints in because everybody has a bunch of stuff plugged in at the same time. And they actually went out and looked at how people use their trucks for work. And I think now, yeah, right. people, people are out and looking at how they use their trucks for luxury. Uh, right. And you got to remember something that's, that's important. A lot of these, uh, if you're working for a construction crew or something like that, there's a very good chance that you might drive to work in whatever whatever car you got, and then when you get there, there's like a fleet of Silverados that are there, and you take that car out. So the commercial use vehicles and the the weekend warrior, I'm um, you know trying to feel like a big big man truck. Mm. There's almost there's a very small Venn diagram overlap. Yeah. yeah. No, it's 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 interesting how it's going. Um, you know, I'm. I was just looking at an article in uh, in today's Globe, and it says new small cars unveiled, but will anyone buy them? Um, what do you, you know? The the trucks the trucks are where all the money is. The big SUVs are where all the money is. Um, what do you think? What do you think is going to happen with the small car market? Uh, small cars always move. People need affordable transportation, and what's cool about that core of the market is it's getting so much better. I remember there was a time, probably you know this even better than I, when getting an economy car was a was a real uh, shot to your ego. And yeah, the, yeah I, I remember I remember <laughs> buying a uh, a car that had a radio prep package, no radio. You know, so you got right. the speakers and the antenna, and 
Yeah. Uh, you know, it didn't have air conditioning, and it had a four-speed manual transmission because the five-speed was like the next level up. Right, exactly. And now you get features like, you know, reverse camera, Bluetooth uh, connectivity, USB ports, all that stuff is coming standard. And Apple CarPlay and Android Auto, it comes standard on a car like a Honda Fit. Yeah. So you're, you're getting more and more and more car for the money to the point where compact cars are an incredibly viable corner of the market. I, you know, if, if I'm proving wrong on sales, then it's definitely something worth looking at, which is a, could be a broader problem in the industry. But there's, you know, for most commuters out there, what a small car offers today is incredible. Yeah, no, I I I, I agree. Mm-hmm. I, I think there's there's so much content you can get in a small car, and it makes it it makes it that much more enjoyable to be in it. In fact, I think you and I were in, and again, kind of a high end small compact car recently, mm-hmm. um, the GTI. Yes, yeah, that's all. Oh, that's one of my favorite cars today. Yeah, the GTI. Yeah, no, I that was a car that was, and I knew you were in it because your like your Bluetooth stuff was still. It's still on the login screen, so you're uh, talking to me, man. I know that's it. That's it. I am, and uh, but it was the easiest stick shift to drive that I think I've ever been in. They have that transmission and gear ratio so perfectly matched to that uh, torque of that engine. It is just a phenomenally fun car to drive. Yeah, that was a really cool car, and I love Volkswagens in terms of, especially the Golf and the GTI. That whole corner of their their lineup. Because that's their global car, and when, when they design cars for the American market, like the Passat, they kind of—I feel like—they kind of phone it in. But when they're making a car that's their global car, they really—they really deliver. And what was cool about driving the GTI was, at first, it felt like the gears were a little too tall, and then I realized that that they added about like ten foot pounds of torque from the year before, so all that torque just works perfectly with those gear ratios. Mm. Yeah, no, it was it was it was just a great car to drive, and you know the, the the comment about small cars kind of reminded me of it. Back to Detroit, you know, usually in Detroit you see, you know, the Ford GT unveiled, the the new Acura unveiled. Was there anything? Was there anything in that sort of supercar category that you know that wasn't a Koenigsegg or something that was that really like blew everybody away? Well, there there wasn't really any much aha stuff going on from that standpoint. There was a concept that I found really interesting, and that was the the Lexus LF1 Limitless. Did you get a chance to look at that at all? No, I didn't. Maybe online or no. anything. So it's it's basically a uh, a grand touring performance crossover, which you know, for some of your listeners, might you know, their eyes might start to like you know roll up into their heads, but. If it, you know, when you think of what buyers they're going for, um, it's sort of like if you remember the, the Infinity FX yep. or, or, or even an X6. But instead of it being a sloping rear roof, this is a, a big 2 plus 2 with plenty of rear headroom. Uh, and the idea being these are a lot of people who are native to growing up with crossovers and don't look at the LS as the end-all, be-all grand touring mm-hmm. car. They would look at some low-slung crossover as the end-all, be-all touring car. Hmm. Didn't didn't Ford introduce an Edge with like a performance, like an ST version of the Edge? Yeah, there was a, there was an Edge ST, and what that really did was introduce the the, the facelift to the Edge. Um, and that's that's one of those cars that I kind of scratch my head hmm. when I feel like who's 
who's, who's in the market for a Ford and is like, you know what, I want a Ford version of a BMW X5M. Yeah, but, I mean, it, I mean, it's it's, yeah. it's cool looking, and then right away people started going, "Well, when when is there going to be an RS?" And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> keep, it, "Keep it together." Yeah, no, it um, you know, no. Detroit Detroit always does some interesting <clears throat> things. Were there any weird unveilings like there was in um, who, who was it? Was it Subaru that did the unveilings with all the dogs? Oh yeah, I mean Subaru. Subaru anybody, knows. Anybody knows do anything goofy fire. like that? Um, one thing that was really cool was, um, to celebrate the new G-Wagon, Mercedes, um, suspended a, an old G-Class in amber, like oh. a giant, like 40 ton block of amber. So it was, it was um, sort of, uh, sort of like a dinosaur egg sort of thing? Yeah, yeah. Exa- exactly. Right. I, I was sitting there going, well, that's, that's a waste of a good G-Class. But it was well, so cool. Was, was, you know, was, was, the, was the G used in Jurassic Park, or was that a was that an ML? Uh, in, in Jurassic Park 2, it was an ML. In yeah. Jurassic Park 1, it was a Ford Explorer. But in the book Jurassic Park, it was a Toyota Land Cruiser. Oh, okay. All right. So that, that was bummed me out because there's a, the potential in the Land Cruiser. Yeah. Yeah. Um. What you mostly saw from the show was small cars, hatchbacks, crossovers, the stuff that Detroit is sort of a mean potato show, yep. in my opinion. In yep. um, the, the stuff that automakers want to move for the upcoming model year, that they're rocking that there. And so you had stuff like the you know the, the Toyota Avalon, the Hyundai Veloster. Um, one big one was the Jeep Cherokee finally got a got its proper rhinoplasty. Oh, okay. Um, the, those small LED strips that were like the daytime running lights and the big headlights below it, they got rid of that. They have more conventional looking headlights, so you know that that's that's a good step. Um, I, I always like Jeeps. I always like the Cherokee despite its face, and so now it's got the proper facelift. Oh, there you go. There you <clears> go. Yeah. Um, so as far as how about the attitude of the show? I remember, you know, five or six years, seven years ago, after the <clears> financial crash. You know, people are walking around like they're about ready to slit their wrists. And then over the years, it's gotten better. You know, 2016 was a record-setting year for car sales. 2017 was almost a record-setting year. How, how was the attitude with um, with the car company executives? I know they, they always put on a smiley face, but uh, but what what, right. what was your feeling about how they think the industry's doing? The general vibe of the show was quiet. Really? Um, it was... So it wasn't as full as before, not just from like a, a journalist standpoint, but from an automaker standpoint too. Because like uh, Lamborghini, did, you know, had the North American debut of their Urus SUV, yep. but they did it at an at an offsite event at the uh, at, a, at a contemporary art center, and it wasn't even at the show. Hmm. Um, and then there were other, you know, the supercar makers didn't really have much on display. So you had stuff like you know IndyCar and other sort of non OEM stuff doing displays of the show, and by by the end of by by one o'clock on day one, you were pretty much done. Oh, okay. And then day two, you only had Jeep, and that was it. Yeah. How was so there kind anybody? Of, kind of quiet. Was there anybody conspicuously absent? Was there anybody um, who didn't show up? You know, Porsche didn't show up, or BMW, or was there anybody? I mean, pretty much like like the, the supercar. So, uh, so the high end, so Porsche, Lamborghini, Ferrari, none of those guys are there. Uh, but once again, this is the meat, meat yeah, and potato right, show. Right. 
uh, those guys show up to New York and L.A. because yep. it, it's more identifies with their their buyers. Yeah, yeah. Somebody showed me a picture of uh, of uh, Mitsubishi had a display of like four cars tucked into like fifteen square feet. Oh, that I felt so bad. That was <laughs> that was that was that was unfortunate. It was really small. It was kind of an afterthought. Um, the the lobby outside Cobo Halls where stuff either like is for you on the rise, yep. you do uh, you do a display there, or stuff goes there to die. Yeah. Was there any of the Chinese manufacturers there? I remember last year, yeah, uh, the Chinese were yeah, both inside it. and outside. So so GAC. Speaking of inside versus outside, GAC had a huge display inside Cobo Hall. Um, I you know I didn't get too much of a chance to get into any of those vehicles. I don't think I don't know how close they were letting people to them. Yep. You know, who, who, that could be a quality control thing. Maybe they want stuff falling off. But you know, it's interesting because all their cars, sort of like Kia in the early two thousands, yep. all their cars look handsome enough. But it's all very derivative styling. Like, if you were, like, an advertising executive and didn't want to pay licensing for a car, if you wanted to throw a car in the background of a shoot, that's the kind of car that you would throw and, like, not have to worry about putting a logo on it. Right. Yeah, I remember last year I, I when I looked at the cars that were inside, and I don't remember if JC or who it was, but it was like, oh, there's a BMW X5-ish kind of car. There's a Mercedes E-Class-ish kind of car. Um, it, right. yeah, it, it, looks like, it looks like it looks like shadow number. lines. Well, right, it's, it's designed by numbers because, like, the front, the, the most prominent featured SUV, like, the front end looked like a Highlander, but then when you get to, like, the C and D pillar, it looked like the, the side of, like, the uh, Kia, uh, the, the, the Kia minivan. Oh, okay. So, Sedona, yeah. So they're pulling from all, from all corners yeah. of, I'm, I'm being generous by saying it's derivative. I mean, they, they have very different opinions on intellectual property rights, so. Well, there's they, there's an entire mall called the Knockoff Mall where you can go buy something. <laughs> where, where, where in China you can go buy something that looks like a Mac, you know, Pro PowerBook thing. You can go buy a, uh, you know, a, something that looks like a BMW. You can you know sign for it with something that looks like a Waterman pen, and you can you know see right. what time it is with your Rolex ish looking watch. So yeah, you're right. Right. And so as long as that philosophy exists for intellectual property, it's going to be difficult for China and the American market because it's going to prevent a lot of um, tier one suppliers, vendors, dealers from wanting to work with them. Yeah. Because they're, they're going to be their first worry is going to be, that's great, but, uh, where, you know, how, how am I getting my stuff stolen, you know, from a design standpoint yeah. of this? Yeah. I just, I, I, as I'm staring out the window here, I just saw a Corvette go by, and it kind of reminded me of the, any talk about the mid-engine Corvette showing up maybe in Detroit? I mean, maybe in New York? Um, there's been some spy shots of a mid-engine Corvette testing, and then what's even cooler, which I love, is when stuff, um, CAD cam stuff gets leaked. Mm-hmm. So there was a chassis tub uh, CAD cam that was leaked, so, like, the 3D schematics showing with the different, like, welds and stuff. And then there was the new, um, a new variation of the LT4 engine. Yeah. Which is, I mean, I'm pretty excited to see what this is because it's, I'm not a purist when it comes to Corvettes. I know there are a lot of people that are diehard about it, mm-hmm. but I'm like, if you can, if you, if you want to be a world-class car for real, like, do the, do the mid-engine, take it a step up. Ford did it, and Ford did it without having to use a V8. Yeah. So... Let's see what you got when when GM throws all its might behind a car for real this time. Yeah, I know. I was in I was in a 
last year about this time, I was at a GM engine building plant, I guess, and over in the corner was a small V8 with a bunch of camshafts on top of it. And uh, I walked I walked over to it, and the, uh, the, the engineer who was there sort of walked me quietly away. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like I wonder what I just saw. <laughs> you know, yeah, I wonder exactly. where this is going to go. So um, I'm, I'm sure that was the engine for the new mid engine, the yeah, yeah, engine Corvette. Yeah, yeah, very well could have been. Hey, George, we got to wrap up. Where can people read you, see you, hear you, and uh, I don't know, go sailing with you? Um, uh, Cargoers.com and uh, Boston.com slash cars. And uh, and at the Fagawi race, right? And at Fagawi race, yeah, exactly. We'll be the one uh, pulling up the rear. There you go. Hey, George, thanks for your time. And if people want to follow you on Twitter or Facebook, what is it? Uh, yeah, uh, Twitter and Instagram at GKens101. There you go. Thanks, man. Thanks a lot. Have a great right. day. You too. George Kennedy, Bye. auto writer, uh, photojournalist, videographer, kind of jack of all trades, good guy. We got to take a break, pay some bills. Uh, and when we come back, I think we'll be talking with the folks from Ford about this new Ranger pickup truck. My name is John Paul. This is the Car Doctor program. You're listening on AM 950 WROL, the Spirit of Boston. The ballets in the back, sweet singers in the front. And welcome back to the Car Doctor program on AM 950 WROL, the spirit of Boston. We're having all kinds of weird technical issues this morning, and no idea why. I can hear myself. I don't like to hear myself. I'm going to go back to here. Maybe now I don't hear myself. I don't know what I hear now, so we may have to, we may not hear anything now. So, so uh, yeah, Dennis, if you could just turn my headphone, turn the headphone knob up. There we go. Now I can hear something, I think, so. But I don't know. I don't know what's going on. We got weird. We got weird gremlins going on. We just had the power flicker in the building. Who knows? And I think we got. I think we got our. I think we got our caller maybe. And who knows? Who knows what we have going on? So, yeah. But let's. Uh, <laughs> it's one of those one of those weird days. Maybe I should have stayed in Florida. Maybe that would have worked out better. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's. Uh, but it's one of those just it's one of those kind of uh techno- technologically challenging days i suppose and uh when stuff fires off so it does so there we go all right so we'll just continue on from here so we good all right so with us on the phone is uh uh Chad Callender he is the marketing manager for Ford uh, to talk about the all-new, soon-to-be-introduced Ford Ranger. Good morning, Chad. Good morning, John. Thanks for having me. Well, how are you? I'm doing great. I, I, I couldn't be more excited um, with our with our all-new Ranger coming out this week. Yeah, I, I didn't get to Detroit this year, but uh, I was just talking to one of my... Uh, one of my uh, uh, co-members of the New England Motor Press Association was out there, and he said it was quite the buzz last year in Detroit. Uh, you guys kind of, inter- you know, you showed a picture of the name, 
But this year, but this year we get a better we get a better idea what it really what it really is, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, about a, it was a year ago at, at NIAS, uh, North American International on a show that we confirmed that we were bringing back the the Ranger. Uh, and then, yeah, as you mentioned, this year we actually uh, we had two we have two vehicles down there at the Detroit Auto Show, uh, and it's back. And can you give us kind of a you know bigger you know as big as a bread box sort of description of is it like the old Ranger? Is it a small F one fifty? Is it somewhere in between? What's it like? Yeah, yeah. Actually, that's that's a great question. It, it's actually neither um, the the Ranger of old, um, which was more truly more in the compact pickup space, mm-hmm. uh, a much smaller vehicle. This will be in the midsize segment, um, which, there, you know, there's some, some, some of our competitors uh, have vehicles in that, in, that, in that size today that you're probably familiar with. This will be right there in, in, in that type of size vehicle. Uh, and, and it's not really a mini F-150. I mean, this is a – we've talked to a lot of customers uh, in the segment and who are interested in, in, in Ranger, and they're looking for a more maneuverable, garageable uh, vehicle that they can drive in, in any setting, whether it be a, a, a city setting or, uh, you know, they want to take it off-road and they want a nimble vehicle uh, for the trails. Yeah, we, uh, so, we, so really finding the right size there. Yeah, we were just talking about that, saying this is this is almost a a truck for city people. You know, when you want when you want a truck that can do the work, but you also want a truck that's maneuverable, a little bit easier to drive, especially in the city. But still, if you want to, you know, put your kayaks and your mountain bikes in the back of it, or you want to take a trip to the home improvement store, uh, this is this is a vehicle that can do that. A little bit different than you know the the bare bones, you know, you know, even pre pre Ranger sort of sort of vehicle. Although I I will admit I kind of like the compact pickup trucks. I I I still think it's a segment that that has value out there for certain people. But the idea of a smaller more uh more versatile truck i think works um where do you do you have to worry about being competition for the f-150 though you know as i mentioned it's really not the same buyer i'm sure we will have some of our f-150 buyers who are interested in 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 a ranger and and they'll buy rangers um but but what what we found is that this, the, the customers who are buying in the segment typically aren't the full-size buyer. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it is that person who's looking to, as you mentioned, not only be more maneuverable, but they're looking to, to feel their adventures. Um, they're looking to go camping and hiking, get off-road, and, and we actually put a pretty impressive off-road package together on this vehicle. It'll have some enhanced ground clearance and all the underbody skid plates and a couple key pieces of technology to help really in an off-road environment, which I think is, is, is what our customers are, are, are telling us they want. And did you announce, um, I know you announced a 2.3-liter EcoBoost. Is there other engines available? No, there'll be one powertrain on the vehicle. It'll be a 2.3-liter EcoBoost, as you mentioned. It'll be paired with a automatic 10-speed transmission and stop-start technology. And we actually think it's the AMD solution Um you know, a lot, a lot, a lot of times you're you're forced as a consumer to either get a vehicle that's going to get you uh, great fuel economy without power, or it's going to give you power with poor fuel economy. And, and really, when I say it's the and solution, um, we're, we're not we're not announcing numbers at this point. 
uh, as we're going through all of our testing, but I can tell you, you're going to be pretty impressed with both the, the efficiency and the fuel economy of the vehicle as well as the power and capability. Yeah, Chad, you brought up a really good point. A lot of times when people go out shopping they're and they're looking at engine choices, they're looking at either uh, less than they want or more than they want. And it sounds like you yeah. guys have kind of dialed this in that here's a choice and it's going to provide you a little bit of little bit of both. And you mentioned technology. I, I was noticing in some of the release material uh, all the latest te- technology, automatic emergency braking, um, uh, you know, all the things you would expect to see in the f- finest sedans or SUVs and it's going to be in the Ranger. Yeah, you know, all the things you'd come to, to love and expect from, from your, your Ford trucks are, are, are going to be right in this. As you mentioned, uh, autonomous energy braking, pedestrian detection, lane keep assist, adaptive cruise control, front and rear parking sensors, standard rear camera, standard embedded modem. Uh, and the one thing that I wanted to highlight is we'll actually have what we call a blind spot indication system. Mm-hmm. Um and, and what's interesting about our application of it, if you're familiar with F-150, it's, it's the same. Uh, it'll uh, The vehicle will alert you when there's a, a vehicle in your blind spot. It'll light up a, uh, an LED signal on your mirror. But it'll also identify when there's someone in the blind spot of your trailer that you're towing. Uh, which is which is a class exclusive feature. So it's 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 just like the it's those it's those technologies that you you would expect from Ford, uh, but done in a way that's a, that's appropriate for the truck buyer. Um, so I, I, I'm excited about those. Yeah, it 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 really it really looks interesting. I think it's a part of the market that. Uh, you know, a lot of people when uh, Ranger when Ranger was kind of going away, and and I remember uh, being somewhere, and and there was sort of a well, you know, if you don't want to, if where the Ranger's gone, you know, don't feel bad, you can go out and buy a Transit Connect, and the Transit Connect was just not a Ranger. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, I mentioned before that this thing will be will be extremely competent off road. They, I don't know if you're familiar with this new feature we've got on it called Trail Control. But I don't see you doing that in the Transit Connect. But it is, it is a, it, it will allow your vehicle to operate sort of like an off-road cruise control. Yep. And it'll, it'll measure and monitor the wheel slippage and send power and braking to each wheel. I mean, imagine being in an off-road environment and, you know, maybe you're, maybe you're experienced or a novice and, and just having that confidence that you're not going to get yourself into trouble on, on uh, you know, in, a, in, a, in, a, in an off-road situation yeah it really is and will people recognize the trim levels will there be xl xlt and fx and so forth will people will people recognize will they will they know when they go into the showrooms um late this year will they will they know oh i want the i want the uh xlt trim will they kind of have an idea what they how those trim packages will work yeah, you know, it, basically we've modeled the offering strategy of the F-150 in, in the sense that we don't quite offer as many high-level trim series mm-hmm. as that has, but we will have the, the basics. We have an XL entry level. Uh, we will have an XLT in the middle, um, and really what you, what you see is you start to get things on the XLT like eight-inch screens and a lot of this technology that we mentioned becomes standard uh, at that XLT level. And then we'll have a Lariat level, which will be our high series. That'll have leather. That'll have a premium audio by B&O Play uh, and, and things like that. So it'll be a little bit more uh, upscale. Mm. We will have uh, a variety of appearance-based packages on top of that. So we'll have, 
We'll have a sporty pack, which will have a lot of dark accent colors um, throughout it. We'll have a chrome pack, which will allow people who want a little bit more chrome in, in their exterior styling. Uh, and then a base pack, which is kind of more of a body color style. And you mentioned FX4. Um, that will be offered across the lineup. So Ford's, not a, Ford's a big believer in uh, we don't want a pork barrel, quote-unquote, um, a bunch of things that you have to buy in order to get the, the capabilities you want. So if you want to be a, somebody who takes a vehicle off-road, you can get this, You can get an FX package, all FX4 off-road package, all the way down to XL. You don't need to get the most highly equipped leather premium audio vehicle to, to, to get that. Um, so it's power of choice is what we call it at Ford, just being able to give customers what they really want. Now, I know I know you, you guys are still in certainly – uh, in the beginning of the introduction stage here, when do you think it will be available for consumers? Yeah, it will actually be available early next year. So we're about a year out from okay. uh, from this starting to, to fill up the, the dealers' uh, lots. But it's um, you know it's you know we've got some work to, to do this year to to, to to finalize it. But we're um, it's it's we can see the light at the end of the tunnel, and we're we're almost there. And pricing will be announced later in the year, probably. Yeah, we'll probably announce pricing uh, sometime closer to the summer. Okay, um, uh, but it will be you know competitive with the with the segment. Well, great, and I, like I said, I missed I missed Detroit this year. I hope I hope uh, to see the Ranger in New York. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I uh, like I said, I I couldn't be more excited. It's been a, a heck of a week uh, as we've revealed it. Um, but I think we've got a real winner on our hands, and, and I'm glad you had me on to talk about it this morning. Chad, thank you, and thanks for taking some time out of your Saturday and joining us up here in Boston. All right. And, thanks, and, John. And, you know, if you want to throw out a Go Pats, that's okay. Go Pats? There you go. All right. Chad, thanks. Take care. Thanks, John. All right. Bye-bye. You know, we did, you know. You know, it's just, the sports show kind of, I'm sure, went went well into detail about the Patriots games. So I'm sure they did. Yeah. So we got we got all we got the computers back up and running. Computers are back up and running. Um, no, I don't know if anybody can hear the music <laughs> in the background besides us. Yeah, I think it's just us. I think it's, I just, think it's us. just us. But yeah, there's some there's something weird going on, and I'm sure we'll get it all we'll get it all figured out at some point. But it's got nothing to do with us. We we just came we just came in. So uh, who knows who knows what's going on? I think we're smooth uh, sailing from here. Yeah, smooth. You're right. Smooth sailing. Smooth sailing. So if you want to join us, our phone number is 617-770-3030. 617-770-3030. That's how you get through. Talk to us about your car, your car problems, whatever's on your mind. Phone lines are wide open right now. 617-770-3030. That's how you get through. I have a question. Yes, sir. You were talking about the Corvette and a mid-engine. Yep. Us laymen that don't just like Don't know it. what that means? Yes. What does that mean? Um most cars are front engine cars, so the engine sits in the front, like your Nissan. Engine sits in the front. Uh, most sports cars, not all sports cars, but most sports cars, engine sits in the front and it turns the rear wheels. So that's kind of the definition of a true sports car. Um, a mid-engine car, the engine sits sort of behind the front seats. So there's, think... Uh, Porsche Boxster is a pretty good example of a mid-engine car. Um, Rear-engine car, think old-time Volkswagen. So you move the engine up a little bit closer, and it's called a mid-engine car. 
the new um, Acura NSX mid-engine car. Uh, it provides, in theory, better balance because the majority of the weight's in the middle, and it's easier to do the 50-50 weight transfer. Uh, like George Kennedy said, he's not a Corvette purist in such a way that, oh, no, you can't do that to the Corvette. You can't take the engine from the front where it's been for, you know, since 1954 and move it to the middle because that's going to ruin the car. And we don't know, really, whether there will be a mid-engine Corvette and a front-engine Corvette. Uh, nobody's really saying. Um, but GM has been tinkering with the idea of a mid-engine Corvette for years, uh, probably since the 70s sometime. So the idea of putting the engine sort of right behind the driver, connected to a um, connected to a uh, connected to a transmission transaxle, and that transmission transaxle again right to the rear wheel. So pretty interesting. I just got a text from a listener who says there's music bleeding through in both WROL AM app and iHeartRadio app. So, yeah, that's something in the engineering that yeah, I have yeah. no idea. <laughs> yeah. Scotty, oh Scotty, you know. That's the only call to engineering I know. So, little Star Trek reference. So, thank you, Paul, for letting us know. Um, there is a new Honda Insight. Honda's redesigned 2019 Insight uh, sheds the boxy rear end that distinguishes many hybrids and now bears a sleek design profile of the Civic and Accord sedans. The third generation Insight launches nationwide this year and a prototype makes its world debut um, you know, at the Detroit Auto Show. And Honda marches towards electrifying two-thirds. And this is what George was talking about. Electrifying their fleet doesn't necessarily mean pure electric cars. It means hybrid cars that are pretty seamless. And I remember even back, I don't know, it had to be 10 or more years ago, I was at a Toyota press conference. And Toyota back then said, we see the future of you will be able to buy a car. You'll be able every Toyota product you buy will be some form of a hybrid. It might be a very mild hybrid that just shuts off and has a bigger battery. It might be a true battery electric car, or it might be a pure electric car. But they looked at it. It'll just be another box you check off when you go to buy it. And it looks like that's kind of the focus right now. The third, um, Honda expects the Insight to receive an EPA fuel economy rating the top 50 miles per gallon in combined city and highway driving, which would put it close to the range of the Prius and Hyundai uh, Ionic hatchbacks. I like the Ionic a lot, actually. But the inside is no longer uh, foregoing style for fuel economy. It wears the Honda's flying wing grille, a bold facer along with the Honda calls its sweeping, long, coupe-like roof line. Yeah, it's kind of uh, a cordish sort of thing. It's the anti-Prius, according to Dave Sullivan, an analyst for Auto Pacifica. Uh, Auto Pacific, rather. Uh, it was relieved. He says, I was relieved to see a more conventional design. Yeah, I think... Not everyone wants a hybrid that looks weird. Um, they want to look like every other car on the road. and uh, But some people do. Some people want a car that, you know, they want a car that looks like a bubble. So, who knows? But, yeah. Uh, if you would like to join us, our phone number again, 617-770-3030, when I was talking to George about the uh, Ford Edge, there was an article I just came across and it says, Americans love crossovers, they love to drive fast, so why not combine those passions into the Edge ST, 
a performance variant of the company's midsize crossover. Like George said, why would someone buy a kind of a downgraded version of a BMW? Well, people will. The Edge ST unveiled uh, in Detroit has unique brakes handling, uh, specially tuned 2.7-liter EcoBoost V6, the most powerful in the segment. Ford says it's going to be 335 horsepower, 380 foot-pounds of torque. It goes on sale as a 2019 model this summer, along with a freshened-up version of other Edge trims. Um, the Edge is a, the Edge is one of those cars. I always kind of like the looks of it. I always thought it was it was a car that was sort of missed out for a lot of people, and uh, I think it works out pretty well. 617-770-3030, is how you get through and talk to us. Let's talk to uh, Anthony in Smithfield, Rhode Island. Anthony. Hi, John. How are you? Always how a pleasure. You? Not too bad yourself. Good. Good. Uh, I have an opportunity to buy a 2007 Cadillac STS from an estate. Uh, it's been sitting in a dry garage for three years, never started and I'd say the mileage uh, they think is about 35,000 miles on it. What do you think I can expect as far as problems getting it back on the road, uh, injectors and that kind of thing? The, it's It's been sitting with gas in the tank. Yeah. Uh, nothing added to it, so that's, yeah, all, that's about all, all I know. All of those things. It's going to be, you know, you're best off pulling the tank, um, flushing out the fuel system, same thing with the brake system. Um, brake brake fluid, by kind of definition, collects moisture. Um, yeah. So you want to get all the moisture out of the system. The ABS system is um, the ABS system is is very uh, sensitive to rust. So um, so that's you know that should be you know that should be something you want to look at. Um, where it's been sitting inside. What year did you say it was? Uh, two thousand seven. Two thousand. So it's a so it's a ten-ish, eleven-year-old car. So right. I mean, you have the uh, you have those typical problems with it. Even though it's in a dry garage, I would still be concerned about, you know, possibly critters got in under the hood. Um, you know, so I'd, I'd be, you know, I just want to, yeah. I'd want to remove everything I could, uh, clean it up as much as I can. Uh, change all of the fluids that look like they need to be changed and even if you have the opportunity to do it i would pull all the spark plugs out uh put a little bit of mystery oil uh, you know ounce or so of mystery right. oil in every right. single cylinder and right. before you fired it up i just crank the engine and right. let that let that oil kind of blend into the cylinder walls you know then then you know add you know, add fuel or spark or whatever, whatever you disabled to get it not to start. And then I think at that point you'll be, uh, you'll be in, you'll be in pretty good shape. Um, but it, you know, yeah. it's one of those things you never know. Uh, you could, yeah, have, I know it. you could I have know a problem it. that an injector's just stuck. You could have a problem a valve is stuck. Um, so you never so, really know when a car sits like that. So I, I can't be optimistic and say replace the battery and try cranking it uh, might not be a good idea. Oh, it depends. It, it depends how much money you have in it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. If if you put a if you have a fair investment involved in it, I would take all the steps to try to make it perfect. If you don't, okay. if you're just you know, if you're buying, if you're buying or inheriting or whatever the case is with this, and you're yeah, being outright purchase, yeah, and you and and you you know throw a battery in it, 
a little bit of starter spray, crank it over and fire it up and see what happens. Um, but yeah. knowing that if, you know, you've got some rust in the bottom of the tank and, you know, that gets sucked through the fuel system, you know, you're going to end up, you know, potentially with some problems. So, um, yeah. again, it depends kind of what, what you want to do with it. Yeah. Well, I guess you're kind of painting a real, uh, you know, uh, negative uh, scenario. Uh, well, I'd, you ra- I'd, I'd rather, you know, I'd rather go with um, sort of my, my whole philosophy in life is plan for the worst and hope for the best. Uh, yeah. Again, depending depending on what you want to do with it, um, I would. No, I want to keep it. Yeah. You know, yeah. eventually I would keep it. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know offhand if it has a, a chain or a belt? Uh, I mean, chain. Yeah, I that, think that, that, I'm pretty sure that has a chain. Chain. Yeah, I would think yeah. so too. Yeah, and the same thing. Like any 10, 11 year old car, you're going to have 10 or 11 year old car maintenance that needs to be done. So, where it sat for that long, it wouldn't be unusual that the brakes are stuck on the car. Even you know, the good thing is it's in a garage. It's in a dry garage, so you could you could very you you could get very lucky and just put a battery in it, start the thing up. It's going to start up. It's going to run kind of lousy for a while. Um, yeah. You know, and do you have any idea how much gas is in it? No. 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 Yeah. I can't read any of the gauges because they're they're all blanked out without yeah without firing it you know without a battery in it. The other the other thing is you know pop the gas cap off um, you know push that little flap open where the um, where where the the gas nozzle pushes it open and I mean as bad as it sounds take a whiff if it doesn't smell like gasoline if it smells like paint thinner I'd probably pull the tank if it sort of has a little bit of an odor of gasoline and. You know, then you can give it a shot, see what happens. But yeah, at the yeah. same time, once you get it running, I'd probably at least add fuel injector cleaner to it. I'd add, you know, top cylinder oil to it. So, you know, you know, kind of go the additive route, uh, you know, get okay. get as much fresh gasoline as you can. Uh, maybe even I'm not a big believer in gas line antifreeze, but I'd probably throw a bottle of and look for the stuff that is, uh, it'll say contains isopropyl alcohol. Uh, because okay. that that will actually mix with any condensation and then in turn mix with the gasoline, so it'll kind of suck it through all in one slug rather than have it separated in the bottom of the tank. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it it could be as simple as you know, a hundred and fifty dollar battery, and you're good to go. Yeah. So, so I wouldn't if I did put a battery in it, there'd be no. Um, I wouldn't be damaging anything, even if it was a dry start. I mean, obviously, I'd check and see if there's oil in the crankcase. But to try to turn it over with a fresh battery, I'm not any, you know, not going to uh, seize anything. Going to be oh, seized? No, 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 no. no. Yeah. I mean, it, because it is sort of a, you know, the, it's going to be a dry start as related to, you know, the camshaft and the yeah. and the pistons. Yeah. But yeah. Um, what I would what I would try to do is almost crank it five seconds at a time. So sort of, no, 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 shut okay. it off, no, 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 shut yeah. it off. And okay. that way, that way, you're going to have as it cranks over, the oil pump's going to kind of fire up a little bit. It's going to start right. to circulate some oil, you know. And obviously, make sure there's oil in it. Pull the dipstick out, see what the oil looks yeah. like. Um, if the oil is, if the oil looks like coal tar, yeah, you probably want to, you probably want to drain it out. And but if it's just black and dirty, and it, and it doesn't stink like gasoline, yeah, I'd, okay. I'd put a battery in it and try it. Okay. 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 Yeah, thank you so much All for right. your help. Appreciate right. it. Good luck, Anthony. Bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Yep. Bye-bye. 617-770-3030. 617-770-3030. Let's talk to Charles and Mattapoiset. Charles. Hello. Hello. Paul. Yes, sir. I have 
I'm, I'm, I apologize for extending the previous conversation, but I've got a couple of comments and some two cents of my own to, to throw in there. All right, good. The question I would ask this guy is, is he sure that the thing's been sitting for three years, or is it maybe more like five or six? You've got to verify that information. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. There's good a difference. Point. Yep. Um, anyway, so I've got a bunch of cars that, you know, I kind of started collecting, and then I had kids and, and ended up with cars sitting there full of gas. And, you know, I know the difference between good gas and bad gas. You put it in a little glass jar, and you can just see if it's yep. good or not. You oh, can yeah. see, it, see it and smell it. So he really needs to sample that gas. Right. And uh, if it's more than half a tank... I wouldn't. I, I would not drop the tank in that car. That's that's too much labor. That's too much of a pain. That's a can of worms. What I do with my cars, and I, and I do understand that all cars are different. So he might have to find somebody that's that's well versed in this particular, you know, fuel system and, and the, the 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 engine management system, whatever. But on my car, which is a four cylinder, so I understand his is twice as complicated mm-hmm. with, with you know two cylinder heads. I pulled the fuel line off the fuel rail right after the pressure regulator, mm-hmm. and I jerry rigged the fuel pump to pump out the gas, and I just pumped it out with an old half-inch garden hose into some containers. Hmm. And yeah. it wasn't too difficult. Yeah, um, yeah, and the only the only thing you have to watch out for in that scenario is making, you know, if it had, like you said, if it wasn't three years, if it was five years, you know, what what kind of junk is at the bottom of the tank? And with the, but G- having, yeah, with the GM cars, having, you gotta, you got to watch out because the fuel pump is a fuel filter. And uh, yeah, yeah. Pretty, well, same, same with mine. There's a fuel filter yeah. at the bottom of the pump. Yep. And I pumped out the gas, and I, as I was doing that, just as soon as it started to sound like it was running dry, I poured more gas, yeah. and brand new yeah. gas, in the, in the tank to help flush it out. Right, and also and, not to run the pump dry because that's the the pumps. Yeah, don't, well, the pumps I, I, don't I, like I running up a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So he, but but yeah. if you find somebody that's that's well versed in this stuff and can access both fuel rails, or maybe just find the one line that yeah. uses the both of them, yeah, it wouldn't be a big deal just to attach another banjo fitting to the end of the fuel rail where the, the fuel line rather where it goes to the fuel rail and just pump out that gas and circulates a new gas through then you don't have to drop the tank yep. and I would definitely agree with you on the Marvel Mystery Oil in the uh, in the cylinders yeah again and, like and you I would said, also like you said how long has the carbon sitting you know that's the other yeah one. I would dump I would dump a quart of it even if it overfills it I would, I would dump a quart of Marvel Mystery Oil in the uh, in the crankcase too to help just loosen up that yeah. oil yeah no it, it it all those kind of things you know when you when you go you know and this sounds like it was Pretty well kept, you know. But when you drag stuff out of when you drag stuff out of storage, you never know. Uh, I think one of the best stories I ever heard, and I and I'm, I don't know exactly the year. We'll call it a forty-ish uh, Ford. Uh, and for all I know, it might have been a fifty. I don't really remember the story exactly. But it was a car. Cars were a bit more forgiving back yeah, then. But it, it was a car that literally sat for twenty years in a in a in a in a, um, in a carriage house. And to the point where the tires sort of vulcanized themselves to the wooden floor of the carriage house. And when I saw the car uh, about three months after it was dragged out, I mean, they pulled it out and it took up pieces of the floor as they were rolling it away. But the thing was covered with, like, horse blankets. But it was an actual... Um, it was an actual carriage house that had a cupola on the top of it. So there was a fair amount of airflow through through the, the building. And I said to the guy who owned the car, I said, well, did you paint it? And he said, nope, we just cleaned it. And I said, wow, the paint looks in good shape. And I said, how about the engine? And he said, he said, we put a battery in it, and we made sure there was oil in it. We cranked it up, started it up. He said it smoked like crazy for a few minutes. And he said, once we get it warmed up, we change the oil on it, and the thing runs as good now as it did the day it was new. And, I, and I'm like, yeah, wow, you got lucky, you know. <clears throat> I think this fellow with the Cadillac shouldn't fret too much. I, I would not drop the tank. Run, if it's got less than a quarter tank of gas in it, 
frankly, and you, and you sure it's only been sitting for three years, I just put new gas in it yeah. and go. Yeah. No, it's and uh, you know again, it depends. There's a, there's a lot of you know a lot of times I I like to kind of err on the side of caution with stuff like this just in case. The other thing, and it's kind of an oddball thing, and, and you only reminded me of it. Uh, and you can find it. You can find it online, and I'll say it scares me a little bit. It's actually a, a, a fitting that, depending on the type of gas tank, there's two different kinds, and you literally punch a hole in the bottom of the gas tank, and it's sort of a hmm. it's sort of a valve. So you punch a hole in the bottom of the tank, it 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 creates an airtight seal, and then you open up this valve and take the gas cap off, and you can actually drain the tank from there. Um, it was. Uh, that's the, beyond my pay grade. I've never heard of that. Yeah, it's it's, uh, and I hate to say it. The first time I ever saw it was when gasoline was up around four something a gallon, and people were people were literally stealing yep. gas out of the car. And I you was can't, thinking the same yeah, thing. Yeah, and you can't, you know, you can't really can't siphon a tank anymore. It's almost impossible mm-hmm. in a lot of cases. But people were using these things, and they were coming out. And um, you know, at AAA, we were towing cars that ran out of gas. And you know they'd get to a they'd get to a shop and somebody said, well, who put this valve in the bottom of the tank? And they go, well, we never put a valve in the bottom of the tank. And it was people that were literally stealing gasoline that way. And uh, they'll, they'll take a catalytic converter from under the car too. They'll bring a battery-powered sawzall and they'll cut your cat right off. Yeah, I you know uh, cordless tools are the best thing for uh, you know work around the house and thieves. Yeah. Yeah. No, my bro- my brother lost a catalytic converter on his on his car in Connecticut. Yeah. No, a, a woman I work with parked her car at a commuter lot in New Bedford. She went back to get her car at the end of the day, started up, and she said, what happened to my car? It had no exhaust yeah. on it. Yeah. No. No, you're absolutely right. Hey, thanks for all the tips. Oh, by the sure. way, Talk by the way, later. what kind of car yeah. was yeah. this in the what what kind of what kind of car were you working on? Oh, my my cars are all Saabs. I, I got a fetish for the old Saabs, and. Uh, it's really accessible. It's really user friendly under the hood, yep. and you can get to almost anything you want to get to. Yeah. How- so this was a this was a this was a pre nineteen nineties car, and uh, you know the clutches in the front yep. and the flywheels. You know, if, you could, everything's really easy. I, yep. I love those old cars. It's yep. really limited to a GM. It had to do with the brand. So, so you don't go back to the to the uh, two stroke air cooled ones, or yeah. <laughs> no, no. I've, I've seen those in the woods once in a while, but no, I never went on the road. Yeah, there, there. When I was uh, when I was a kid, I had a uh, a coworker who had one, and it was uh, you know he had to keep his two stroke oil under the seat next to the heater because that was the only way he could you know get the oil to come out of the container when it was filling it up. I got to tell you, the car was just fun to drive it was it 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 revved like a motorcycle it was it was fun to drive it was probably you know dangerously slow but it felt fast as could be and it was it was just well, it was just a fun little car stroke, yeah you gotta get the revs up to get yeah. the power out of them. oh yeah no it was it was sob you know sob i know a lot of people lamented a lot when gm you know when gm bought half a sob but i i hate to say it but i think at one point that actually was the savior for Saab because they were just about... Well, the, the GM yeah. produced Saabs that, that ran from, you know, 1993 and a half, 1994, thereabouts, uh, up until, what, 2011? Yeah, yeah. Well, let me really back up. From from 1994 to, 19, to 2002, those were still using the Saab drivetrain, yep. and the, the platforms were all Opal, yep. and they were good cars. They we, were. We still got yep. one. It's got 267,000 miles on the original clutch, yep. and the car still runs great. Yep. No, there's my my boss. My boss has, I think, two sobs in his family. We were just talking about the one he gave his daughter that he paid forty eight hundred dollars for five years ago. And he said, other than putting a window switch and a mirror on the car, that's all he's ever done to it, other than regular maintenance. 
And I think with any other brand, you know, you've got you got your quirks that come off the assembly line with with whatever attributes or detriments. And you know, because our car had zero problems for the life of it, except for the balance the balance shaft chain flew off, and I had to remove it. That's that's a whole other story. Yeah, uh, but, yeah, uh, I, 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 I that part was great. Yeah, I worked with another guy who loved the older, you know, the Saab ninety nines and all of those. I I remember every time he would call me up and say, "Hey, can you come over and can you come over and pull the head off of it for me?" I'm like, "Ugh," <laughs> you know. I think. But but after There's you get used to it, a lot to say about brand loyalty. Yeah. Once you become loyal to a yeah. brand and you get to know it, yep. you're just better off. Yeah. Oh no. There's, there's Whether a lot. it be a Saab or yep. a GM or whatever. Or you know, Subaru's the same way. I mean, once once you get comfortable with the car, it becomes it, you know the stuff that I looked at that just made me scratch my head. You know, after a while, I was like, oh, I understand what they're doing now. This sort of makes some sense. Yep. Yeah. No, you're gotta, absolutely gotta right. All right, be good. one with it. All right, good. Yeah, be one with it. Exactly. It's like Zen, <laughs> Zen and, uh, I don't know, the art of motorcycle racing or something. Yeah. All right, take Talk care. To you. Talk to you later, Paul. Right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 617-770-3030. 617-770-3030. Let's take a break. Can we do that? Computer working? Yeah, yeah we can We can do it. Can we? All right. Yeah, we can. I need, I need a break. That's what it is. All right. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Car Doctor Program. Phone lines are back to being open at 617-770-3030. If you were trying to get through, 617-770-3030. We'll be right back. I gave a girl a ride in my wagon. And she called me. I buy you a Chevrolet. I buy you a Chevrolet, I buy you a Chevrolet, if you just give me some of your love. She said, I don't want your Chevrolet, I don't want your Chevrolet, I don't want nothing in the world you got. No, you can't do nothing for me, you can't do nothing for me. I buy you a diamond ring, I buy you a diamond ring, I buy you a diamond ring, if you just give me some of your love. And welcome back to the Car Doctor Program on AM 950 WROL, the Spirit of Boston. My name's John Paul. This is the Car Doctor Program. And if you don't hear it here, you can hear it later on the podcast page, which is johnfpaul.podomatic.com, or you can hear it on TuneIn, Stitcher, iTunes, a uh, variety of variety of places you can find you can find the podcast. In fact, if you just I've, I found it in places I've never even knew it was supposed to be. So uh, it's kind of funny what happens with it. I found it on Mixcloud recently. Um, but if, you, uh, if you're if you really interested, if you Google, uh, if you Google just uh, John Paul Car Doctor podcast or radio or something, it'll come up with a bunch of things. So you can find it there. Our phone number again, 617-770-3030, 617-770-3030. We have open lines except for one where Mike is on the phone. Michael. Morning. Yes, that's you. Yes, Yes, good morning, John. Are your Florida tan lines showing already? Uh, No, they're not. No, they're not. We we were... uh, we did. We did have one day where uh, we actually went to the beach for about forty-five minutes. It was a little chilly, but it wasn't thirty. So, uh, um, you know, yeah. and and my wife did gather up uh, half a dozen shark's teeth while she was walking the beach. So, there you go. Memento, starting with memento. There yeah, you go. Which, which I mean, if there's half a dozen shark's teeth, that means there's what sharks, right? Yeah, that's true. So keep, keep that in mind the next time you're thinking about going in. Yeah. And remember, just off the coast of Massachusetts, the 
the sound of Jaws. So yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. I was kind of I was kind of thinking that as I was as I as I took as I took a walk into the water and and the water was about sixty degrees. So uh, which is uh, which which to me felt cold, but then it reminded me that's pretty much the temperature of Nantasket Beach in the middle of summertime. So <laughs> true, true. Um, I, this is not the reason I'm calling, but the gentleman that was talking about you know getting the car. Um, out of uh, the dry garage. I was just at my dealer um, on Thursday, and he didn't show me the name because he couldn't, obviously, but he showed me the invoice of Critters and what they did did to the car. How about $9,500 worth of damage? Wow. Yeah, it was unbelievable, John. Yeah, it was incredible. Not that that's going to happen with the gentleman, but, you know, that kind of thing, especially, you know, the... The newer cars or whatever, but yeah. anyway, yeah, there was there was something there was something just on I don't know I, I'm making up the Dateline Nightline something and it showed a car with like a I don't know it was like a possum living under the hood or something it looked like and it looked like a uh, it looked like a Christmas wreath under the hood and they opened up the hood and there was a ton of evergreens and I don't know something with big teeth and I'm like Gosh. you know and yeah. and from working on cars years ago. Um, Every once in a while, you'd run into a mouse nest or something, and and uh, and up until not that long ago, I never actually saw a mouse. I saw I saw remnants of mice, but only once yeah. did I ever like move something and a mouse actually ran out from under it. But the uh, you know today's cars and today we have actually um, more of an issue because years ago and 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 still cars today, a lot of the wiring is a petroleum based vinyl rubbery covering on it which mice don't really like but for environmental purposes to use less petroleum they've gone to soy-based wiring and apparently uh soy-based wiring and soy-based foam and seats um uh critters like it it tastes good so yeah yeah that that could it could be that too but it's kind of it's kind of funny uh honda actually came out with a um with uh, kind of an aluminum foil wrap for wiring, and and I guess it has sort of a um, uh, a pepperish thing. So if they bite into it, if they bite into it, a it's aluminum, and b it doesn't taste good. So um, so they actually come out with they actually call it mouse wrap, and a roll of it about the size of like a decent sized roll of duct tape is about forty or fifty bucks. And the idea is, um, you know, if you think you have a problem, go wrap it, or go wrap it all up, and you know, and it wasn't. I think it was last year sometime we had a guy on from a wildlife, um, uh, you know, kind of exterminator sort of thing. And he said, yeah, he, he runs into it um, in the in the spring when people bring their cars out. And he cautions people if you have, you know, if you're storing cars in a barn or a garage and it's, you know, near any place that's going to attract rodents, you know, he, he goes, you know, says, you know, you try to keep them out. And if you can't keep them out, you, you try to scare them away. And if you can't scare them away, well, eventually you got to trap them. And, you know, nobody nobody wants to nobody wants to take another life, I suppose. But if it's $9,000 worth of damage and it's caused, by, it's caused by a family of mice, I don't want them in my house or car. Well, you know, John, that brings to mind that it might be another car company option. You do want the animal trap <laughs> option yeah. on your yeah, you know, yeah, we can we can give you we can give you the uh, the heated steering wheel or the built-in mouse traps. That's it. There yeah. you go. Um, all right. So the reason I'm I'm calling is I'm I'm kind of curious. You've mentioned that you're in the market for a car, and I was kind of interested in how John would go about buying a car. And I guess my first question is: Are you new, used, or does that depend? And 
what kinds of things do you go to? What are the thought processes that John would go through, and, you know, obviously with Mrs. Paul as well, but, you know, what would you do? What kind of things would you um, start off with and then go from there and kind of bring in the decision-making that you're going to buy a car because it sounds like you're pretty close to well, I'm, doing that. I'm, I'm, close, I'm close to thinking about it. Um, okay. Yeah. Right. Well, with the exception of buying this little trailer in Florida that I didn't think about, and I probably should have. Um, normally, I normally I obsess about things forever until either I finally have to do it or it just goes away. Um, I always use the example of I bought an iPad one when I think the iPad twos were coming out because there was a hundred dollars off, and that's why I bought it. And I had that iPad. And I still actually have it. It probably quit functioning decently two years ago, but it still kind of worked. Well, it took me two years to buy another one. And the only reason why I really bought it was because they came out with kind of an iPad basic model that was $329. And, um, and I finally said, you know what? I like having the iPad. It's convenient, and I'm going to go spend the money. But it literally took me two years to make up my mind to do that. Um, I, I hear you on that, John. Yeah, and, and I sort of I sort of do the same thing. When we bought when we bought my wife's Volkswagen Beetle in 2015, we we had to buy it because uh, my wife got into a car crash. So her car was totaled, and we had to replace it. And for the last couple of cars, my wife had a convertible. So the Beetle convertible was was sort of something that kind of fit the need and. I, you know, there's there was um, choices of going to, you know, uh, you know, big dealerships, small dealerships. Um, I did. I actually used um, AAA's car buying service, which is which is just a thinly veiled True Car. So you can kind of go, you go on their website, and they kind of, you know, give you a set price. And and one of the dealers that came up was uh, Paul Clark Volkswagen in Brockton. And I live yeah. the next town over. And I liked the idea. It was a small dealer. And they also included the delivery charge, which other dealers didn't. So I said, so I looked at it and I said, you know, this is a pretty good deal. It looks like they're making a little bit of money. I'm saving a little bit of money. Um, they had a couple of color choices. Uh, we kind of ruled out red because my wife doesn't like red. And that's how we bought the car. It was that simple, but it was also something we kind of had to do in a hurry. Um, okay. When it came time, when it's coming time to replace our old car, um, I don't think I'm going to go new because uh, the we have a Hyundai Santa Fe. The Hyundai Santa Fe has served us pretty well. It's um, size-wise, it's small enough to be maneuverable. It's large enough to fold down the seats and carry way too much stuff in the back of it if I need to. Uh, it's all-wheel drive, so it can get me through the snow if I'm going to work. Um, it does pretty much what I want it to do. And I want to look at something similar to that. So I looked at buying a new one. And the new ones are, I think I could buy a new one for maybe twenty-five dollars or $26,000. And, but I can also buy a 2017 former rent-a-car from Hertz or Avis or Enterprise or one of those kind of places for about seventeen or eighteen thousand dollars. And now it's got thirty or forty thousand miles on it. And if I can find one that looks like it hasn't been, you know, dinged in a parking lot. Uh, you know, with that kind of miles, it's probably going to need brakes and tires. So I would try to negotiate 
you know, they're not going to, unless it's completely worn out, they're not going to do anything with it. But maybe I can say, hey, look, you know, um, you know, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll pay for, I'll pay for the parts. You guys do the work and get the car with new brakes and new tires on it. Now, all of a sudden, I'm, I'm invested maybe nineteen thousand dollars in a car with thirty-five thousand miles on it. It's only technically by the calendar, it's only a year old. It has new brakes and tires on it, and it should last another hundred thousand miles. So, and it's still under warranty. So that warranty. Uh, well, it's under, which... it's under warranty when you buy it. When you buy a Hyundai used, it, it you only get the remainder of the. Um, uh, the kind of base warranty, so f- uh, five years, sixty thousand miles. So you get, okay. you get. In that case, you get a couple years. You know, you get a few years or twenty twenty thousand or so miles, which isn't bad. So you get an idea of what the car is going to be like. So that's one of the. You know, my thought is to look in that direction as well because it's a. You know, it's a pretty significant savings off the price of being new, and you know, and I don't think. You know, would I go out and buy a Mustang convertible used from from a uh, Hertz or an Avis? Probably not, because all I can envision it spent the you know it spent the winter and spring break down in Florida, driven by a bunch of drunk college kids. You know, you know, you know, a, a, a midsize SUV or a compact SUV. You know, other than it's got a family in it, and you know, some kid you know got sick in the back seat. That's probably the worst thing that's going to happen to it. I don't envision someone, you know, beating the daylights out of it, driving it through the woods because it's it's not a Jeep, it's a Hyundai or it's a Kia or it's a Mazda or you know something on something on those lines. So you know that's kind of that's sort of the direction I'm thinking about right now. So, uh, but I'm gonna but I'm gonna keep thinking too and see and see what shows up. Yeah, you know, it's funny. You that reminds me. Didn't they used to have the Fords? Rental that they would um, the three fifties or whatever that was way back when, yep. and, and they would race them on the weekend and rent <laughs> for the weekend and then well, bring it back well, on. Well, yeah, that Monday. was that was that was fun. Yeah, way way back when they had the uh, they had the Shelby they had the Shelby Mustangs, and you could and they, and they have actually become very collectible. They were the Shelby Cobra R's, and they were. Um, and they were rental cars, and they would come back. In a lot of cases, they'd come back really dirty, with the exception of the wheels and tires that looked clean, because they would people would put racing tires on them, race them on the weekend, come back, and and put the put the factory tires back on again. And people were like, uh, and the, the you know, and and in some cases, the the rumor always was that if you pulled the carpets up, you could actually find out where they actually welded a roll bar in, and then cut the roll bar off before they sent it back. Wow, interesting. Yeah. May I, along the lines, would you, how about the Internet? How do you deal with that? Do you negotiate strictly on the Internet? Are you face-to-face, combination? Yeah, you- I, I'm, I'm kind of a combination because one of the things I've found about some Internet dealers is they lie. It's, it's, it's frankly, they, I, I went to a Hyundai dealer when I was looking to buy the Hyundai that I have now, and they had a pretty good price in the newspaper. I sent them an email. They said, oh, yeah, we have plenty in stock. I went down there, and they had none in stock. And I said, I said to the, the sales manager, and it was a, it was a pretty, it was a pretty nasty story. It was a, a good-sized Hyundai dealership, and they, um, and, and finally, the guy says to me, I don't know what you do for a living, but our, our job is to make money. I said, apparently, your job is to lie to your customers that come in the door. And he literally tried to block me from leaving, and he had his sales team sort of, you know, blocking the door. And I said, you know, get get out of the way. And we walked outside, and finally, the car that I was looking at was maybe, this was years ago, almost 10 years ago. The car I was looking at was probably 
twenty-eight or twenty-nine thousand dollars. By the time I got to the door, he handed me his business card and said, uh, "Would you buy the car for twenty-one thousand dollars?" And I, he said, "That's well below what we paid for it." And I said to him, "Look, I wouldn't buy this car from you if it was for five thousand dollars." And he's like, "Why not?" And they said, because you, you tried to screw me out of $10,000. And I said, I can't do business with somebody like that that tried to take advantage of me in that way. I came in. I said, here's what I'm looking for. You told me you had it in stock. Give me a good price. That's all I was asking for. And, and you know, I, I spent, you know, an hour of my time listening to the, your nonsense. I said, to me, it was, frankly, it was kind of entertaining. But I wouldn't buy a car from you if you were the last dealer on earth. Yeah. yeah, all they needed was the, the white belt and the plaid yeah, pants. Yeah, exactly, exactly. May yeah. I ask, you mentioned you used true car, and they talk about something called the average transactional right. price, a yep. transaction price. Is that something that you would look at to see, you know, the average yeah. car fact, that it would go? In fact, some of the big, that works out well. In fact, some of the big dealers, what they'll do, and Herb Chambers is one of them, they actually have a computer program that looks at average transaction prices, and they actually price their cars accordingly. So, you know, how, you know, Herb Chambers is a billionaire, so he knows what he's doing. But when he buys a car that, say, costs him 25000 and he realizes that in, you know, a 20-mile geographical area, those cars are selling for 25000 he'll price it at twenty four nine just to sell the car. And so what they literally do is they go out and they see what cars in the area are selling for, and then they'll, they'll price their car accordingly. And some of it's based on the same kind of parameters true car uses. So, yeah, you know, the average transaction price, at least you know you're getting a reasonably good deal or not. Last thought, if you would, please. Sure. Car brokers versus car concierge. And I know you had a, a sponsor there that yep. was a concierge that would go out and do all this yep. for you. Um Anything? Do you use those? Anything like I, I, that? I've never, I've never used them before. The idea is, you know, I, you know, you're not going to get the best price in the world, but you're going to get a hassle-free, you know, hassle-free, you know, time. You know, if if you like, if you like negotiating, or you go to a dealership where you don't have to negotiate, and you want to go and check it out, the idea of buying a. a, a a car kind of sight unseen to me is just a little too eerie. You know, it's, that's like buying shoes over the internet. I don't, you know, I don't think I could do it. Okay. Apparently Paul, right. apparently Paul Sullivan can, but I can't. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, Josh. Okay, Mike, Thank take you. care. Yep. Bye-bye. Yeah. Bye-bye. Let's talk to our wait, buddy wait, Rick. Wait, wait, wait. My what? number one priority, it's not brand, it's not price, even though they're, they're pretty up there, but yeah. my number one priority, yeah. legroom. Legroom. Well, yeah, legroom. but you're you're six foot twelve. <laughs> if I don't get legroom, I don't get the car. Yeah. Well, I, what what are you like six four ish? Yeah. Ish. Yeah. Yeah. Well, George George Kennedy, who was on earlier, is about about your build, and uh, and you know, and he drives all the same cars I do, and he's like some of them he has he struggles a bit, you know, yep. and it's just just the way it is. Let's see if we can wrap up here with Rick. Rick, is that you? Hey there. Hey yeah, there. Uh, I don't know if there's much time there, but the question I had for today was: um, when you buy a car, a new car, what percentage of the cost of the car goes to the manufacturer, to the dealer, and stuff like that? Well, you're going to hear different stories on that. Um, you know, true dealer profit, what they make, you know, years ago was a lot, and there. They're, you know, Mercedes, we'll use Mercedes for an example. And I, and I remember I was at a meeting with Mercedes 
And it was not unusual for a Mercedes dealer to make 20% on the sale of a car. And then they dropped it down to about 10, which meant, you know, the car salesmen suffered because they weren't making the same amount of commission anymore. So um, as another example, Saturn, who, you know, eventually went out of business, but Saturn, because not because of their sales practice, but because they stopped coming up with cars, basically. Um, But those cars had about a... 9 to 10% markup over the dealer, over what the dealer paid for it. So, in essence, the dealer paid 9 or 10%. You know, they, every car they sold, they made 9 or 10%. Now, you add in, there's uh, something called, uh, the, you know, there's floor plan money where, you know, there's money where they put the car in the lot and they don't, they either start paying interest on it or they don't. Uh, there's also holdback money where uh, if they sell, a certain amount of cars, they'll get additional money on that. And sometimes what happens sort of the end of the year, if they've sold X amount of cars and they sell whatever the magic number is, 300 300 of those models, what happens is they'll get an extra $500 per car. So $500 times 300 is a pretty big number. So, But where the real money is, the manufacturers make the money. That's, and that is why I always thought vehicle manufacturers and car dealer owners got along with each other. I found out they actually hate each other. They just don't get along with each other. Hey, Rick, we got to get going. Yep. But thanks. Amen. All right. Bye-bye. Hey, there's Paul Sullivan, who apparently buys his shoes online. Uh, she, well, shoes is a uh, is a big category. I, I don't buy dress shoes online, but... Sneakers? Sneakers, I do, yeah. 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 I got these. A good deal, actually. Yeah, yeah. Zappos or something. Oh yeah, like something. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You're you're right. I think it's that. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, I understand they have a fabulous return policy. I never have to should return. You, them. Should you have to return? Them. Now, and I, you know, the, the reason I started doing it because I, like Dennis, probably I have big feet, and it it was hard to go into like a, a Dick Sporting Goods or place like that and find sneakers into, that, into, into Tom McCann's. I've been there, yes. Yeah. yeah. My thing is um, I play basketball because mm-hmm. you don't get to be my height without at least playing sometimes. Um, and I can't. Well, I, you just I, didn't want I, the question. Hey, you play ball? Yeah. I take a size 14. You can't find size 14. Every once in a while I can squeeze into a size 13 depending on the cut. But Now, hard. I have a question totally. And that, every, that's my yeah. size, too, 14. Yeah. So, you, But now the Internet, when you, you get all kinds of choices, yeah. all kinds of colors, styles. Brand. As you're getting older, are your feet getting bigger? Yeah. Well, they're getting wider. Yeah, how come? Because gravity is gravity? taking its yeah, uh, cruel effect yeah, on the I human know. body. I know, yeah. Yes. Yeah, I kind of noticed that. You're getting shorter, too. Yeah. You know, you're the, the, well, uh, the uh, yeah. uh, space in, beside your, yeah. in, in between your yeah. discs. I've started shrinking. Getting squished, yeah. yeah. Well, you want to feel good about yourself. Uh, <laughs> measure, measure, yeah. <laughs> measure your height when you first get up in the morning. Really? Yeah, because you're actually taller when you first get up. And then over the course of the day, you squish down a little bit. Well, you know, the president's like 10 years older than us, and he got a nice spill of health. Yeah, 239 pounds. Yeah. Healthy as could be, eating Big Macs and fried chicken. Kentucky fried chicken. Yeah. Somehow, somehow, I know. Filet of fish. I know know it's the same doctor for 10 years, but he looks more than 239 pounds. Yeah, there you go. But, you know, I've never met him, and camera adds 10 pounds. So, yeah. Hey, that the piano man means we got to go, and the very best in Irish music is coming up right now with Paul Sullivan and the Irish Parade. Heard here every Saturday. Just like always for the past 50 years. So until next week, make sure you wear your seatbelt, drive safely, and be good to your car. See you next week. Bye-bye.